Okay, guys, it's glass half full, positive energy Tuesday here on The Dad Presents. You know, you can get that doom and gloom on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News. We're not about that here. So uh, we're going to be positive. So what kind of positive stuff do we have to share here during COVID-19 and the quarantine? Well, we got more time at Family with Home. Stock market's up 10%. That's good. You're not dead. That's a good thing. You got time to learn a new hobby or, or give yourself the baby bird like myself and B did the other night. Not at the same time in the same place, both in our respective showers. You got time to make a new baby with the wife. And most importantly, we've got Nathan Willett, lead singer of the Cold War Kids, on the show coming up in just a couple seconds. And I'm excited about that. I know you're excited about that. Typically here, we'd, we'd bring you uh, parenting questions and answer some of them. But uh, typically, we only do 30 minutes with a guest, and Nathan was awesome, so we did a full hour. So I'm just going to roll right into that. So, okay, guys, this is episode number 60. I'm not sure what episode this is. That's B's job to know, and B's not here because B has cooties, and he has to stay at home. So it's episode 60-something here with Nathan Willett. Let me introduce him. Okay, guys, we got a special treat for you today. We got Nathan Willett, Cold War Kids lead singer. Nathan, thanks so much for joining, and thanks for your patience with those technical difficulties we're having from home here. Thank you for having me. I understand, man. And you got a squeaky squeaky chair there, just so you know. Yep, yep, you know. <laughs> and I do, too. Fun uh, yeah, man, office. thanks for having me. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so Nathan, uh, first of all, you've, you've, got a, you've got a young kid at home. I believe you have two children, correct? I do. They have the same birthday, and it was March 20th. So I have a one-year-old and a six-year-old. Oh, wow. That's, and they had that's uh, wild. Quarantine birthday, baby. Oh, man. How, how'd they deal with that? Uh, it was okay. <clears throat> um, probably not thrilling, yeah. but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there were no friends. There was just us. Uh, we had a dance party. You know, we, we made it great. Um, right, right. Yeah, yeah. they're they're not going to be scarred for life by it. Yeah, my kids had to have a couple birthday parties that they were going to canceled, and it's a bummer. But you know, the kids are are handling it. I think honestly, better than some of the adults. So, I'm, yeah, I'm totally. How old are your kids? I've got a seven year old and a ten year old. All right. Yeah. Um. So first of all, I don't I don't want to I don't want this to sound insensitive to people who are suffering right now. I know there's a lot of suffering out there, but but personally. I've a little bit enjoyed the downtime and extra time with the kids. How are you guys dealing with it? Yeah, totally. I feel the same way. I, um, you know, my life is either, it's usually just kind of one or the other. I'm, I'm either at home and like working in my, um, office attached to my house where I am right now, studio, um, and usually that is like pretty solitary. I'm like with my kids in the morning, going to the studio, uh, and, or I'm on tour. Um, so we actually haven't had to cancel any dates yet. I'm sure that we're going to have to cancel tons of summer stuff. Right. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm with you. Like I kind of already have my, I already am like, like sort of solitude life when I'm home, uh, just like with kids and working in studio and then Mm -hmm. like being on tour is where I'm around a a zillion people at all times, you know, band and crew and everyone living around each other constantly. So, 
so yeah, home really is my my most of solitude time anyway. Okay. Um, and I I am it's not it's not crazy different, but I think you know if it goes to the if and when it goes to the next level of like truly like not being able to go on a bike ride, take a jog, do sure. whatever, like that's going to be a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. That's, yeah, that's I mean, yeah, happen. we've still been able to get outside and like hike hike the trails behind our house and stuff like that, but it sounds like they might not be allowing that and then then people are going to start getting a little stir crazy. Now, I am um, I I know for a long while you you kept your your personal stuff tight to the vest and and you know, didn't talk about family stuff too much. Um, what, what changed that? Why do you, you know, on social media now you post the pictures of you and your kids. When did that change and why? Yeah, that's funny. I, I, um, I don't know. I guess I, I, I haven't really thought about it actually. I don't know if it was a totally conscious decision. I think, I think something about maybe like, uh, I guess it's just like, Nobody, I, I think the idea that, I don't know, you know, I guess I have to think about it. I, I, I really don't know. I, I think there was a time when I, I, I was more precious about everything, you yeah. know, going to social media and like, oh my God, that picture is going to exist in somebody's weird, um, you know, hard drive for eternity. Right. Um, yeah. That sounds like it my just wife. feels, mm-hmm. yeah, it feels like past, you know, even for the most extreme person, it feels like way past the tipping point of that even mattering. Yeah. You know, um, everything is everything and more is more is more. And it's your precious, like, yeah, you know, yeah, you, re- you really can't just, resist it. I mean, there's just privacies. Uh, we just have to kind of get used to the fact that privacy is a, a thing of the past, no matter how yeah. you try to insulate yourself. You can't. Yeah. 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 So l- l- let me ask this. I've asked some other people this, um, most of us out here, we have normal jobs. Most of us parents, we have normal jobs, you know, nine to five. We go to the office, we come home, play with the kids, have dinner, put them to bed. What's what's the biggest difference and hardest part about being a dad while also being a rock star? I mean, being gone, it's a, that, part of the thing of just touring and, and like we did so much touring between like September through February, which is kind of crazy because we did kind of get home right before this got crazy. Um, But yeah, there are stretches of that touring where, um, you know, yeah, I I feel like the worst dad ever, the worst, you know, (laughs) completely like Mm -hmm. knowing how hard it is for my wife and kids and and, um, and my wife works, um, just feeling a general sense of like, this is all too crazy. It's all too much. It's all too... You know, I, but that being said, I, I think now having done this for basically for 15 years, I strangely think that only the last couple years do I really feel like oh, this is just my job. It's not like my family will make it. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to make it. Everything's going to be yeah. okay. Um, you're even providing though I feel, for your family, yeah. everybody's got to do that. That's you're, you're doing it. Right. So there's, there's no reason to right. feel guilt for that, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And then, and then just as far as being at home, I think it's the hardest, especially like having a studio that's connected to my house. I think it's like, you know, setting your own boundaries. Like, um, 
you know, if, if my wife was like, can you do this thing? And it's like, yes, technically I can, but I could technically make my own schedule in any way that I want to. So Mm -hmm. how do I, you know, stick to, you know, whatever time I've allotted for myself or, or just be flexible and be like, Hey, I'm gone all the time. Yeah. What do you need? I I can, you know, I can make, I can, yeah, you know, I think I think I'd use, around, so. I think I'd use the uh, honey. I, I'm sorry, I can't take the trash out. I gotta I gotta do something in the home studio right now. I'd probably yeah. abuse that one quite a bit. There's a <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. There's a hit song that's about to come out. Right. We, we just can't we can't risk it. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, what about um? And you don't have to answer this one. You just let me know. And if you don't you don't like it, we're edited it out. I know your parents. Uh, went divorced and that was really tough for you. And I'm now at the age where a lot of my friends are getting divorced and some of them, you know, they keep the lawyers out of it and they're being civil and trying to keep a a semblance of the family intact. But, but others are just brutal fights where the kids get caught in the middle and it, it kind of tears them apart. So having lived through a divorce, um, is there any advice you'd offer to couples who decide it's time and, and what to do to protect the kids through that process? Yeah. Damn. Uh, I like the question. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, so for my parents, they like, I, God, um, I'm going to lean back in my chair here a little, little therapy hour now. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, just just answer, be honest. There's no, there's no judgment here on the dad presents and you got um, insight on it. So yeah, basically my parents didn't, talk to each other almost ever after the time they got divorced uh, when I was like, whatever, like maybe 13 or something. So basically like I was kind of like in the middle of communicating things that like, Hey, I need, you know, this money for, you know, soccer league or whatever. And then like, well, go ask your mom. Like, so all the way up, like the, the, only couple of times that my parents were ever in the same room again with, with Mm. me were like high school graduation or, you know, different big events. But like, so, I mean, that was only years later did I realize like, Oh, it's because my parents didn't co-parent that like my, uh, those years were so hard. Um, whereas, yeah, I had, I had plenty of other parents whose uh, friends growing up, um, that their parents were divorced. They just both, you know, stayed in communication with each other in order to raise their kids. So, um, so that's the least you should do. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think communicate uh, for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, no, what, what you're saying, what yeah, you went yeah. through, I, I, I see a lot of that happening and, and I tend to agree with you. Like you, you gotta, you, you gotta still both be parents first and foremost. Like you might hate each other's guts, but you gotta be, you gotta be parents and, and fill your duty in there and communicate. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. I, it, yeah. Again, like in hindsight, uh, and you know, years only. I've I've actually gone to therapy just the last couple years, and that, uh, and I I don't know how I made it so long without doing it actually. Really, but um, yeah, it's amazing just to kind of see like oh like that that's just uh, it, it when your parent it, when your parents are sort of like too 
fragile or too hurt to to be able to come together and and parent their kid it's just i mean the damage is just like it's so gnarly because you of course like see your parents as being like really so self-absorbed and you know like they can't get past this thing in order to like you said it's just like yeah it's not it's not really about you anymore it's about just get over it get over whatever hurts and you can hate the other person, but you have to fake it. Sure. It probably probably made you feel, when, when you see them behaving selfishly like that, probably made you feel a little bit unloved. And yeah, I can imagine that that hurts and causes problems. Has this, has, would you say your parents' divorce, did it influence your music at all? <laughs> um, again, really great question. And actually, I, I mean, I've definitely never been asked it and probably not even thought that much about it but i I mean for sure i I think like uh definitely think there's something about any creative person that has that sort of like uh like that origin story of you know something painful um and uh yeah i mean i have there's some songs there's a song called sensitive kid that is on our third record that is very much about this there's there in hindsight um so much of like you know who i am i think came from that like and even for myself um it's funny because my wife and i again like because i've been home more we're actually like having the time to kind of like reflect and and have these conversations but like we were just talking about how when we were dating in our you know before our band was even starting um that like I was always very like uh, even in dating her I originally I remember being she was just reminding me how I said like just so you know I I will never get married and I will never have kids oh, <laughs> you wow. know and, and I was like wow yeah that's <laughs> insane I had totally forgot yeah. <laughs> um, that was definitely the person that I was when I was younger and so now to have that's to be funny. to have a family like, you know, uh, it was a lot of recovery from, you know, from those, from my youth and how definitely like, uh, angry and how much I just, I thought I was like, yeah, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna have a family. There's, there's no need for that. Sounds like quite a bit of personal change for you. That's, that's to, to be commended. Good for you. Um, you, you you mentioned earlier, uh, when you're talking about your mom, you mentioned soccer and, uh, I read uh, on just on your social media, maybe a few days ago, you mentioned that you weren't one of the better players, but twice you won most improved for your team. So, you know, you're a rock star. You're, you're, you're obviously a hard worker. Like people think a lot of people think that uh, people in the entertainment industry, they're just gifted by God, which to a degree you have gifts, but that everything was handed to them. And that's definitely not the case. Like it takes a lot of, a lot of hard work. Um, and, and that's something I stress to my kids more than anything else, that if they really want something, that they, they have to never give up and, and stop trying and fighting and working. And I think a lot of young people today expect things, expect life to be handed to them. Um, what's, what's a huge life lesson that you've picked up along the way that you intend to pass on to your children as they, as they grow? Uh, yeah, great question. No, I... I um... I guess, uh, I mean, I felt like when I was younger, um, I mean, I guess I, I also, I feel very lucky that I, and uh, later, like sort of down the line 
ended up really liking school and um, or not, maybe not even school as much as like actually learning and like literature. I was in junior really? college and I had a debate class and, and oh, yeah. was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, but yeah, really for me, like English classes and, um, you know, had a huge uh, just like reading ha- had a huge effect on me. And, and I but then beyond that, um, uh, like I had so little exposure to uh, uh, like the arts growing mm-hmm. up. Um, I had, you know, friends that play guitar and some people in bands and stuff, but I never had any sense that, you know, of course that there was any kind of like long-term career in it, but even that, like, even like adults around that, that sort of would, you know, validate or look at something you're doing and saying, Hey, uh, even that, you know, even that, which I feel like is just so common amongst, you know, uh, our age group, like, yep. uh, the way that a kid could like, you know, like a kid could like get skateboard lessons now. And for us growing up skateboarding, it was like your parents thought you, it was the dumbest thing you could, you know, you're, you're literally just wasting your time. And, and Um, uh, so yeah, that, that type of like, I, I think, I think just like approving of what, of what your kids are interested in as, as one step. Um, and then, and then definitely also like, following that up with uh knowing that it takes a lot of hard work to do anything to get good at anything and um yeah yeah, so for me music i i was never in an environment where it was like um hey you could try doing music but um not a supportive environment for uh, for what you were trying to do is what you're saying yeah yeah and i feel like not 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 supportive but also even just like um, Hey, not only do you need to be supportive, but you also need to be told, um, Hey, a million other people, um, want to do music. So you have to work really hard at yep. it. That sense of like work hard at it. I think I got more from like, just like stuff like, uh, reading, I don't know. Re- like, I mean, I feel like I, I spent more time like reading interviews with musicians and, and artists and, and also even just looking, you know, admiring people's careers. Like I, I, I've always been a huge Bob Dylan fan and it's like this guy, you know, he, mm-hmm. there, there's it, that type of creativity. It is, there's, it's not like you have like uh, any life outside of it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's all consuming. It's, it's actually really, really hard work. It's so, demanding. Sure so yeah, I, I've always had like a lot of respect for that. Yeah. I mean, I agree. You're talking about being supported and also pushing a kid. And I feel like, you know, you kind of, you kind of learn how to be a parent by being a parent. There's not really a book you can read or anything. You just got to go through it and, and, and work your way through it and learn as you go. And I feel like 80% of it is loving your kids and supporting them. That's, that's 80% of it. And then you just, you gotta, you gotta guide them and push them because uh, they, they don't pick that up on their own. It's not like a natural inclination for most to like push themselves beyond their comfort levels so yeah that's important so i I also notice in in answering questions you're you're pretty um contemplative before you speak that's that's admirable admirable you know a lot of people just just uh just spit out the first thing that comes to their head and i i like me that's how i am (laughs) kind of an idiot that way and i think i think that's great that shows that shows the kind of artist that you are you're very uh self-reflective that's important um 
So let's switch it up a little bit from these uncomfortable uh, personal questions to the music. Okay. Um, no, I listen. I like it, and I, I like you know your questions are thoughtful. I I, I always appreciate like a, a deeper conversation like this because you know most a lot of what we do is like. Hey, this is WNT from Chicago. Your new song is you know <laughs> right. killer man. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's good. No, we so, don't yeah, do that. Going yeah. deep is fun. Okay, okay yeah, anyway, you just ne- you just never know how much someone's comfortable with. But okay, we're we're keeping sure, a mix sure. of it going. So I, I wanted to ask you about. Um, your second album, Loyalty to Loyalty. It's it's personally one of my favorite albums. Um, it's a it's kind of a big departure sound wise from from your debut album, uh, Robbers and Cowards, which is really you know regarded as one of the best indie rock albums of the century. And typically, when a band has success with one album, so two questions. Number one, when a, when a band has success early on, they they tend to typically try to replicate that. And you guys, you seemed like you switched it up on that second album. Um, so I'm wondering what drove you to make that bold choice if it was intentional. And number two, I heard you in an interview state that you felt you, you fell personally short on that album because you didn't let yourself be vulnerable with your bandmates. And I, I'm wondering what you meant by that. Man, I, I'm first of all, I feel like you're pulling out a lot of stuff that I definitely said at one point, but I'm, I'm impressed because I, I, I'm always like, man, where do you, where do you look to find these things? But anyway, <laughs> you did some research and I appreciate sure. that. Um, right. Uh, so, okay. Let me think here. It's actually funny because since, you know, in this, uh, Corona season, I've been doing like Instagram live things. And, um, there is a lot of old songs of, uh, Colder Kids old songs that, um, we just don't play on tour because, you know, it takes a lot of work to always, sort of be rehearsed mm-hmm. on so much old stuff. And so I've been trying to just do these like acoustic versions of old stuff. And it's definitely um, in having the time to kind of sit around and think about it a little more and, and look at some of these lyrics and be like, wow, what, you know, what was going on here or there? It, it's been actually really interesting for me to, um, yeah, look back. Yeah. I think generally um, my, sort of style is um to i guess i i always i feel like i'm not great at articulating what a a vision sort of for a record is but um good at doing it and then moving on to the next thing and 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 so as i know that so many artists that i admire are way better at you know, explaining the thing that they're trying to do um, and that that helps people understand that record a lot more. And I've always felt like I've always, I would just much rather like, you know, move on to the next thing and let it be what it is. Anyway, gotcha. that being said, I, I also have seen that I'm like, damn, uh, I, I, um, I, I could probably uh, be a little more patient and, and, and spend a little time reflecting and trying to explain what it is that, that we were trying to do there. Um, that's a long winded way of saying, uh, yeah, I, I, um, so for loyalty to loyalty. Yeah. I, I think there was definitely a more like a kind of, a um, more of like a big room reverb, darker sound that I know I think came from, uh, just stuff we were listening to. I feel like uh, it almost reminds me of more of like sort of, I don't know whether like Tom Waitsy stuff or even like cat powery, like 
kinds of very live and um but still minimal um types of yeah big room darker reverb sounds um right i like the dark stuff maybe that's why i'm drawn to it yeah yeah um and and it's interesting like i was i, I literally you know for the first time was just kind of thinking about some of this stuff and how how much in those years when we sort of on that first record and, and for how naive we were and totally shocked by how well it did and how we're suddenly playing like uh on a big festival stage you know it, in the yeah that's that's you that's know whatever summer day yeah it, it it really was like and I, and I think I really haven't stopped to think about that much but um how much that at at, at that time we i think reacted against that by you know writing songs that i think very quickly we you see what songs sort of work and don't work on that big festival daytime 110 degree whatever Lollapalooza stage sure. or something and you go like oh wow this whole new record that we just you know spent forever making and working on people don't want to hear that type of song so are we either like wh- what do we do with that you know do we care do we ignore it and just like yeah it's a tough tough choice you're talking about uh, you know personal artistry versus trying to to be popular and that's a that's a decision right. probably every artist is faced with right um yeah a lot of a lot of it goes a lot of directions and so i think sort of like at that time with loyalty the sense of like yeah let's totally react against sort of whatever having you know big rock songs whatever that, you know that is um and having kind of more more sleepy moody um uh kind of thing that yeah that that loyalty definitely definitely was um and yeah i love that record too i i haven't like revisited forever and um again only recently was because i was kind of playing some of these songs like the um every valley is not a lake is one of the songs that i was playing the other night um and uh yeah we started playing the song dreams old men dream on the last tour um speaking speaking uh, of uh touring and whatnot um i spent last night watching erica badu uh, live, you know, some musicians are starting to to do some stuff from home and put it out there. Any chance you guys might uh, do something like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I've been doing that on Colder Kids Instagram live, just like kind of okay. almost every day, just playing a bunch of old songs, acoustic, and it's oh, really great. good. I need to figure out how to sort of get us all um, looped in so right, that we right. can actually the five of us can play together, which would be really fun. I'm yeah, just, uh, I need, I need, my, I need to get my tech guy on it. Exactly. Right. That's the same problems we're facing here with, uh, right. being confined at home. Um, okay. So, so with, uh, Roberts, robbers and cowards, it, it had, it had some religious tones to it, some of the lyrics and, um, a critic kind of, kind of went after that. Um, and had, it seemed like you changed with, <laughs> with the next album after that. Um, has religion impacted your, your music and did it change after that, that critique of it 
Um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we had a uh, pitchfork reviewed our first record and right. basically like, um, so it, I mean, it's really interesting at the time, you know, we were so sensitive about it. Um, because, uh, you know, for sure some of that stuff was going on. Um, I mean, basically, I mean, I guess in, in hindsight, I wouldn't have had this language at the time, but um, I, I think probably basically like the, the easy way to peg this would be like that. Uh, I considered myself a very progressive Christian and got labeled as a very conservative Christian. Right. <laughs> so, um, and that bummed you I, out I didn't because really you, that. you were from a very conservative Christian family, right? Yes. So yeah. yes. And, and, and very, and, and wanted to very actively, you know, uh, not, be about, you know, not reinforce a lot of things that, that we grew up with. And so, um, but yeah, at the time it was just like, like, I I don't know how to, we, we don't even, we don't really even want to acknowledge this stuff at all. Um, we just want to do what we do. And, and probably a lot of our fans and people like that, I guess it probably showed us, to just sort of like, don't, don't speak on it. Just do, you know, just do your thing. Mm -hmm. Um, don't like, you know, I remember like writing something up in response to it and talking to our manager about it, who very much like, you know, came very much came up in the same way. And, and and I think we just kind of kept concluding like, man, don't even talk about it. You know, (laughs) just like, um, uh, the idea and, and also the context is so important. Like, you know, post nine eleven, George yeah. Bush, right. uh, type of, uh, evangelical was like, it was very harsh. It was very harsh time sure. to, um, and also, sort also of, that was 13, 14 years ago. You're a, a lot younger. It, the, the wounds are yeah. probably a lot more fresh and you're probably more sensitive. What I mean, but like what, and now nowadays with the internet and social media and the way fans can connect with, with musicians, what even is the purpose of a music critic at this point? What purpose do they serve for society? And does anyone give a fuck about them? You know? It, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. I, I, I think that was a, a crash course in all, in all those questions that, I mean, at the time, like uh pitchfork, was very influential, mm-hmm. but, but for a very specific kind of music fan that, um, that I think is, is dying or dead, you know, but that, that has a, that, that in many ways I, I, I came from too, you know, like it's a total edge of being pretentious and, and, you know, <laughs> I know more than you do about all these records sure. and all this, all this culture. And, um, That's and I'm what it sort is. of hoarding, hoarding it and, 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 <laughs> and, uh, keeping it away, it, using it as, as a defense from people that don't know. I mean, I, the internet inevitably, you know, changed that. It's also hard to say. It's like, I'm not like a young kid anymore. So I don't know what it's like to be, you know, walking around a college campus and, uh, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be new forms of, uh, 
being pretentious and your insecurity manifesting as, as being, yeah. you know, cooler yep. than. Yeah. Speaking of being pretentious. Okay. That's not, that's not just for critics or musicians or anyone. I mean, it's also fans. Cause I remember being a young fan and I, when I, when I discover a band before my friends, it was like a, a point of pride. And then two years uh-huh. later when that band would have a hit song on the radio, instinctively, I, I, I wouldn't like it. You know what I mean? Just because yeah, everyone yeah, else yeah. would like it. And I noticed with, with you guys, the, the song First, which is, it's a great song. It's just, it's a catchy tune and it was very popular. It's probably your most popular song, but your yeah. hardcore fans didn't, didn't really like it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I find that to be kind of hilarious because that, that in a way is, is a form of pretentiousness. Like, why do you, why do you think fans are that way? Man, and I'm not. Um, I'm not asking you to bash your fans, of course, specifically the no, ones who've no, been no. there a long time. I, but it's just it's listen, interesting. No, I, my my sigh is is usually going to be because it's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love that question. I remember, uh, like, I remember when we started our band and our old guitar player, like, he had this apartment where he had this big old rooftop, and we just had like huge crew of friends where there'd be like. 30 people on this roof just hanging out drinking beer and smoking cigarettes and talking about this kind of stuff all night long and why like I remember talking to my friend about this one conversation where he's he was talking about the band Death Cab for Cutie and why like why does this happen to every band that you know they make all this great music and then they sell out and they blah 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 and I just I, I remember thinking even then like that yes, I I actually I I felt some sort of whether it's my whether this was like a clairvoyant uh, <laughs> moment or not I, I I just know that even then I remember thinking like that uh, like I reject that narrative you know yeah. like that that idea that uh, that there's a sellout moment or something or that um, the early stuff is the only good stuff. And then, and then at a certain point it all gets watered down or whatever, whatever sort of that narrative is, it's, it's really tempting because there is something so purist about that. Um, but, and it's also true that a lot of artists don't get better with time. Um, but it's also a totally, um, yeah, it's a pretentious, way of looking at things mm. and it, it it doesn't allow for more people to like the sort of secret thing that you right. Work, right worked really hard to invest in and other people can just sort of dip in and um and yeah it's true but it, but it's also interesting because i feel like it's uh now in 2020 that sort of mentality it, it, it's not exclusive to to bands or music or, or even art. It, it's, it's just everything. It's like the way that um, people find out about, you know, like, I don't know, Tesla has the same problem. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they, 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 they have their people that are extremely invested in, in their brand's identity and they're, they're going to, you know, research every tiny thing. And then you have the people yeah, that annoying. come along and are like, Oh, cool car, man. Oh, I heard it's good for the environment. I want to buy one. And, right. and, and so it's, it's sort of like you're always yep. going to have looky loos and you're always going to have like, you know, people that want to go deep. And, yep. and of course you always want like the, the, the bread and butter of your life is, is those people that go deep. And, and so of course you want that. Of course. Um, but at the same time, like 
you know, um, the people that are just jumping in because they like that song. Um, yeah, we but, love but that. But not too. every, That's, not every, uh, not every person loves music in the same way. Some people just like a good pop song that they hear on the radio. Right. You know what I mean? And that's fine. It's music is a, a deeply personal thing and whatever you, it's all a matter of taste. And one thing that drives me nuts more than anything, I, I, I get sick of it in every industry is this, this word now that we've been hearing for the last four or five years, branding, you know, what's your, what's your yeah. brand that goes against brand. And we, we catch it from our fans too. Like we get some heat when we do, when we have a new commercial that, that they don't, they don't think is right. And I, I had G love on about uh, six months ago and I, ha- I have him on again tomorrow. And he was telling me yeah. how much he, he caught, I believe he did a Sprite commercial 15 years ago, something like that. And he caught a ton of heat, but uh-huh. him, you, all musicians, that's your job. That's how you feed your family. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and y- you, you got to do that. You get, you got to make some decisions based on that. Now, you know, yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, you know, make a, a song with Taylor Swift about whatever product you don't believe in, but you gotta, you gotta earn a living. Yeah, totally. I mean, and it's also even, even that the way that it was 15 years ago, um, and how much an artist, you know, would wrestle with, you know, whatever song they put on a show or a commercial, um, we definitely uh, passed up opportunities to do stuff. I remember there was like a shampoo commercial that that wanted to use the song we used to vacation. In. And, and at, at the time, our lawyer actually said, like, you don't want to do this. People, you don't want to associate, you know, this song with, you know, I remember him more recently saying like, God, that was dumb that we didn't do that. Right. <laughs> I was thinking like, <laughs> yeah, at the time, like the idea that forever this song will be tainted, you know, uh, this this very you know, serious song that we elevate is going to be thought of in the same, you know, breath as this shampoo commercial that, that would be really lame. And, and we had, I remember we, we, I remember being in the van on tour and, um, uh, we got asked to put a song in the show gossip girls. And we had this huge, just blowout conversation about Mm -hmm. why we should and shouldn't gotten this big fight about it. And it's like, and, and, and we did put the song in and that's great. I'm glad we did. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I just, those conversations I don't think happen anymore in the same type of like really ethical, stringent way. Now it's like, like if you see like, I'm like, uh, like Migos is like in every advertisement possible. And it, I think, I feel like everyone just looks at it and is like, yeah, great. They're great for you guys. You yeah. just made a ton of money. That's sure. great. Also, there was, uh, I think, a real watershed moment was um, sort of in between that. Um, I remember uh, Black Keys and Vampire Weekend were on, I think, Colbert, and he was basically just totally ribbing them for ha- the, the the whole uh, setup was that they were having a contest for who had had more songs in commercials. And, mm-hmm. and it was like black keys had these three songs and bank commercials, two songs and car commercials and three, you know, and versus vampire weekend. And, oh, yeah. and it was showing like, Oh my God, like it's in, like, it's insane. Especially at that time, like, God, those guys made so much sure. money because they just said yes to everything. And right. I think saying yes to everything at that time, was the first time that sort of like indie met mainstream and everyone looked at it and was like, 
like the indie people looked at it and were like, are you allowed to do that? And the mainstream <laughs> people were like, yeah, of course. And, and they were, and the, they were in the middle going, yeah, we'll, we're, we'll take that money. Yeah, and some of that was was people saying that as a result of like, well, there's no money in record sales anymore. You got to exactly, get it where you can. Exactly, people aren't um, buying records, so I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to take it, yeah. And 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 that was you know definitely a big part of it, um, uh, of that whole transition. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, along that same vein, uh, you have a, a a solo song on Captain Underpants. My, you know, my kids friggin' love this movie. We've probably seen it five times. They love the song. They sing it. And it, you know, it's quite a departure from, from what we typically hear out of you. Right. So I'm wondering how something like this comes about. Like when you get that call to uh, approach for something like that, do they tell you what they want and you do it? Or do they just like provide a certain framework and then you, you take it from there? Is there an approval process? How, how's that go? So that one was definitely unique. Uh, this guy, Anders, who basically does like all the, all, all, I went to his house to write and do the song with him. And he, part of that experience that was almost for me asking the same question, like, how does this stuff work? Um, he has done, I mean, just a massively successful dude that did everything like high school musical glee, all this type of stuff that he just kind of, you know, it's a machine and he cranks it out. And, uh, and he's an insanely talented dude. Um, so we did that song and I, I, I basically, that was as probably as sort of, um, as much as I would sort of surrender to a process um, and just be like, Hey, I just want to try this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just sort of, you know, get like, it, it's, it's not the way that I would have made it sound. It's not the way that um, yeah. a song that I would have written for myself. Sure. It's a, but it's for a different for thing. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of, I kind of loved it and I kind of was a little uncomfortable with it, but also just, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. Like, being in a band and, and uh, getting to that point where you can sort of, you know, you experience your own limitations and to do something with somebody else that sort of does their thing. And in his case, like, yeah, like a, a more of a pop thing. And for a kid's movie, it was just like so fun to just be mm-hmm. like, I'm sure yeah, let's fun. go all in on this. Yeah. Um, it, but it's yeah, it's, it's got to be a little bit freeing to have some of the typical expectations that are on you kind of kind of lifted and just be able to be loose and silly with something like that. Yeah, yeah. And and in a weird way, almost kind of like a fuck you to anybody that's like, wait, you're not allowed to do that. And it's like, yeah, but like, why? Why? You know, why not? We're, we're um, this is and, and yeah, it's funny. Like there's been a, a lot of my friends that were like, Hey, my kid has been listening to this song nonstop. <laughs> I just realized it was you and been like, wow, great. I totally forgot. You know, that was like two days of my life that I totally forgot about. And, yeah. um, and now it became something and that's great. Yeah. Now you got a whole new audience base. So that, that's not a bad yeah. thing. So we, we've been on quite a while. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to keep you all day, but just a couple more things that I want to ask you sure. about things that, that I find interesting. Um, so LA divine, um, it, it feels like, you know, you're, you're from this area. I, I live out here and it, it kind of feels like 
a bit of an homage to our city, Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So two questions. What do you like most about LA and how do you feel our community is responding to coronavirus? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'll say like, you know, I, I, I grew up mostly in Anaheim um, and then kind of lived like my mom lives in Corona. My dad lives in Redondo Beach. I lived in Whittier and Long Beach and Fullerton and all, you know, different parts of Orange County and LA. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, I, I basically like growing up always thought that I would move. Um, and after touring for many years, um, just really, you know, sort of absence making the heart grow fonder, like fell in love with LA more and loved to come home to LA more than ever. Um, so yeah, I love it. And I can't imagine living anywhere else. It's really, and also there's still so many parts of it that I, don't even know mm-hmm. um yeah but yeah i love it um i love where i'm at now and uh so yeah the, and then responding to coronavirus i i think it's um especially even like this weekend i had fr- a friend who was saying they like they live in malibu and like the beaches were totally packed and um and, and like griffith park was totally slammed out and people can't i think I think the whole promise of LA and the idea of uh, how much freedom we have and how much we love our freedom being actually limited by this. And um, like, it, it's really an interesting thing. Um, we like how much, you know, kind of priding yourselves on individuality and the freedom to go to the beach of the mountains whenever you want. It, um, suddenly hitting this thing where uh, it can't, to to stop the spread of it it can't be just a suggestion unfortunately it has to be like yeah i think i think we have to be told to stay in our homes and like nobody i don't even want to say that because i don't want to do that but at the same time i'm like damn like people yeah going to the beach in mass the the messaging yeah i agree but the messaging just has not been super consistent um i i I uh, know a lot of people in, in healthcare and they're being told one thing and then the mayor's telling yeah. us another thing. It's just, uh, there hasn't been a ton of consistency in the message that would help. But yeah, you're right. People, people have a tough, a tough time uh, making that adjustment because we are, we're, we're, we're spoiled in California. I mean, this is the best place on yeah. earth. We got the best weather and people come here. That's you either come here to get famous or you come here for the good weather. You know what I mean? So yeah. It, yeah. It, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, just a couple more things. So I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, Matt Moss. He's been there since the beginning with you. Um, yeah. And creative relationships. I know I'm, I'm, I'm a writer and, and uh, work with uh, editors. That's not as intimate as what you do, but creative relationships can be tough. You know, feelings get hurt, egos get bruised, personalities clash. Uh, what's allowed you two to gel so well together? Yeah, Um so he and I met in school and he, again, like it's, uh, I, I think that I didn't know how much, uh, my experience of, of sort of art and culture was so limited by a few, you know, by going to shows and uh, like, you know, to where I met him and he, he was a graphic design major and art major and, I think the way that 
we would talk about music and uh, and culture to me he had like a a bigger vision um than than whatever i i had you got you guys um, met at a you you were at like a, a christian college right we went to a school called biola and it is it, yeah um so, so did, that, that's did he a, have the same kind yeah. of upbringing as you or, or was it different? Yes, totally, okay. totally conservative. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's hard to explain without sort of a longer story, but part of it is that like we had uh, going to this small school that was sort of like far a little bit outside of LA where there's not a whole lot to do. And having this this small crew of friends that basically were all kind of like what are we doing here you know there there's there's a part of like this the sort of overarching message of like you know god and spirituality and seeking and all this stuff that we had in common that basically you know we also were sort of bound by like rejecting a lot of uh you know all of the conservative stuff. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was a really interesting time. Like there were, there was a lot of stuff that I got exposed. Like I had, I had this class in Dostoevsky and read like brothers Karamazov and crime and punishment and got to read, like I read so much stuff there that, that really changed my life. And, 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 um, and then strangely, like I I went to, I, I went to junior college and, and went, to you know on purpose went to a school when i was you know 21 where you're supposed to not drink and you're supposed to you know sort of sign on Uh, to all these conservative things uh, um which is i did the same thing in many ways really yeah i went went to a i went to a um a uh amish (laughs) an amish college and i'm not amish but i grew up very conservative as well and they offered me what school was it uh, Lebanon Valley College. I, I lasted there for one semester and I couldn't hack it. So I, I transferred wow. the following year. But yeah, I, I can relate. I grew up very conservative Crazy. as well and, and made some adjustments, rebelled for a while. But yeah, go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Like, um, so, at, so I went to junior college for a couple of years at that point. Like, and I, it's we, something about, I think I needed sort of the, some of the structure of that, um, of of some of that religion and, and, and but more specifically like having friends that were sort of like seekers and you know asking hard questions and and sort of looking at art to answer those questions i had none of that experience before like my you know my, the friends that i had had in high school and my sort of years in the wilderness of being in junior college and and having no idea what I was going to do with my life. Like, um, I didn't really have an, you know, other friends that I could talk to about a lot of those things. So, so that was a major step, um, for me. And, 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 and I, I remember going, you know, going from junior college to this conservative school and thinking, there's no way I'll, I'll probably even ever have any friends from here. And then it's mm-hmm. so bizarre because such a large portion of my good friends came from, that two years that I went to that school and right. and a lot of it is like you know strangely just like coming from that background of somewhat like 
evangelical parents that seriously lacked structure in their lives and so needed religion to to cling to and um and then and also you know there's a the entire world was changing in the 60s and and uh evangelical culture sprouted from that and then somehow very very strangely and mysteriously transformed into um a, a very uh conservative mm-hmm. moral majority republican yeah I, know, I think there lies the and, problem the problem isn't the the christianity it's it's the way it morphed into uh kind of some repressive politics right yeah mm-hmm. there's a book that i read that's called when god talks back that was written uh by this woman who is a stanford anthropologist and it's all about sort of that uh 60s 70s 80s transition uh, uh, um and i yeah it's it's totally fascinating to me because in a weird way it actually explains sort of my parents and a lot of all uh, many of my friends parents and just how this whole transition of this sort of hippy dippy spirituality thing becoming um what is a you know a a good chunk of America now, which is like a a sort of nobody's going to tell me how to live uh, Christian, <laughs> you know, like sure. a, a lot of a lot of uh, um, uh, a lot of contradictions. Um, yeah. But anyway, you, I actually you, you were really trying to think about how to with? how to state that without. <laughs> Without getting anyone irritated, um, I was asking just how how you and Matt have gotten along oh, so yeah, well yeah, creatively. Yeah. So yeah, so we you know a lot of that's like just speaking the same language, having the same views of of the world, um, based on a lot of how how we grew up, um, how we reacted against a lot of that stuff, and and what we held on to, yeah. and and uh, and and I think also he's he, yeah he's he's a true artist in the sense that like how do I say this? It's almost like, I think I grew up loving art and also kind of being like, I'm going to do whatever, whatever I have to do to survive. I think he's a true artist where like, he'd be like, I I do this for whatever. uh, I would do this no matter what came with it, you know, because that is who he is. Um, And uh, that, yeah like uh, that type of his he he definitely showed me a lot uh, um and so yeah it, it's interesting um i think a lot of our sort of yeah like our partnership and our band and how how we think definitely started um with he and i just yeah in a weird way even if it, if it was a song that I came with or whatever, it wasn't so much writing everything together. It was almost that kind of overarching, you know, ideas of, uh, of how art and music should be that I guess is sort of harder to describe, but I, I, I always, you know, I know what he's going to like and I know what he's not going to like. And I, I, you know, we've done things that he hasn't liked and, um, I need him, I think, to sort of be in check about um, about sort of like what's Cold War Kids and and, and, uh, and how can we push it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it works. 
because you guys are killing it. I, I love the stuff. Um, all of it. Every, everything you guys do is amazing. I love it. Um, we're, we're pushing an hour here. I really only wanted to, to keep you for a half an hour. I, I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure the fans appreciate it. Um, is there anything you want to tell them about uh, where to find you? Uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're on all the things. We're on... Um, who knows <laughs> what the future holds for... For touring, we had a, a bunch of shows in in June. Um, basically, we we put out uh, we're, we're doing like a, a three volume trilogy. Um, the records uh, called New Age Norms, and the first one came out, I believe, in October. We just finished the second one awesome. um, that we did with this producer Sean Everett that I'm like so proud of. I really think it's the best thing we've ever done, and it, it's uh, he he did like. He did the Alabama Shakes album, the Britney Howard album, the War on Drugs album, all this stuff that like uh, I love, and he he definitely brought something totally new out of us. Um, and cool. that record um, is going to come out hopefully soon, and I guess in a season where we might not be able to tour it for a little while. Um, yeah, but that's kind of what's going on now, making new artwork for that and finishing. Well, great. I mean, we need trying to get that out in the world. We need new music now more than ever maybe you know people are trying to trying to fill their days so that's pe- what's interesting that's yeah. what we were kind of saying at first it was like you know damn we don't want to put this out and not be able to tour it and just have it slip through the cracks but at the you know at the same time we're like well you know maybe people are more more uh more cued in to to music than ever before and and, and so. actually yeah so yeah. but yeah man uh thank you so much for for uh yeah for uh chatting me up man i appreciate no you're 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 a good guest you're really interesting so yeah i really enjoyed it now if you guys are going to do something live or you personally um make sure you blast it out on all your social i personally want to want to see it and i'm sure a lot of our fans will too so 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 get it out there give us give us fair warning we'll do we'll do for sure okay all right thanks so much thanks again man take care okay people I hope you enjoyed that. I cer- I certainly enjoyed talking to Nathan. What a what a what a good dude. Really fascinating. Great musician. I mean, the, they're absolutely one of the best thing out there right now. Cold War Kids. Gotta love it. Um, if you're not familiar, make yourself familiar. I would start with first, simply because it's their most popular and most mainstream song. So that's probably the one to hook you in. But um, if not, go back and listen to their their early stuff because it's it's great. Um, okay, guys. Thanks for checking in. We're going to be back tomorrow with G-Love and Special Sauce, or, or actually just G-Love, um, coming back to the show. We love the man. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at The Dad Presents. Hit us up with the parenting questions on Messenger at The Dad Presents. And check out your girl, Miss Rose. She's been missing in action for a little bit, but she'll be back. She'll be back. She's uh, at Miss Rose Ayala on Instagram. Um, and uh, we're going to get the whole crew back sometime soon. All right, guys. Thanks for checking in.